and, and minister to us tonight. And uh, before I do that, I want to just give a few uh, public acknowledgments. Uh, I appreciate all of you. I love you all. Thankful for this body that we get to be a part of. Um, I, I was, I, I hope I can say I'm proud without offending anybody. Proud of you all. Um, I was proud of you over the weekend. Your worship blessed me and blessed others I know um, at our United Weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, we just got to be in the presence of the Lord, and that was awesome. And I'm thankful to each one of you um, and the parts that you played there. Um, I'm thankful that we get to be a part of Life Church, amen, it's a blessing, it's a, it's a ministry um, to us. If you have not um, seen it yet, if you weren't there for one, either one or either of the, the services, um, I really strongly want to encourage you to take some time to, to watch or listen to, but be sure to receive from what was ministered on Saturday night by Brother Berglund um, and then on Sunday by Brother Paul Sharp. They were um, both anointed messages of God for our church. And um, I have been going to church, uh, well, I guess about 37 years now, and I've never experienced exactly what we experienced on Saturday um, but the anointed ministry of Brother Berglund um, that, and, and the way that God used him uh, was exactly what we all need to hear. So I know that an, ahead of time we had asked, or just made it clear, this is for the hyphen group geared towards them. Now after the fact, um, again, I just want to strongly encourage everyone um, to go and find that and listen to it. Uh, you should be able to find it through um, one of our multiple Life Church YouTube channels. If you don't know, we have Life Church Union Gap that's got a channel where we stream and then archive our services here. Um, and then the other congregations also have their dedicated channels. Um, you should be able to find those. I'll, I'll try my best to remember to post or reshare them um, so that you can see that. Um, I'm thankful for what the Lord did. Uh, it, was, it was wonderful. Um, and I believe that it was all that was ministered the, over this weekend was really just uh, starting points for us to take that ministry from there, apply it to our own personal lives and move forward with God in the spirit of those ministries that was given. Uh, so take it, watch it, receive it, make it a part of your life. Amen. I also want to uh, just talk for a minute about last Tuesday night and how fun that was. Uh, how exciting that was. I'll say it again. I've been going to church 37 years, and I don't think I've ever quite experienced exactly what 
we got to experience last Tuesday night. But uh, I do want to just start by saying it should not be a strange thing for a hurting person to come into the church and for the church to uh, be aware that hurting people will come to our church. Uh, if you don't remember, if you weren't here, there was a young man that came uh, for the first time uh, last Tuesday towards the end of service. I believe all of that was ordered and directed by God. And um, his appearance was a little off-putting at first. I will just put it plainly that way. Uh, but I, I want to I acknowledge Brother Alberto and say thank you in front of this group for... Um, for letting the Lord use you last Tuesday. And um, this is just a fun time to be alive, and it's a fun time to be a part of the church in a lot of ways, but in one of those ways is you don't know what you're going to see or hear uh, at any moment, at any time. But you know, my, my, my mind went back to the scripture that says, No man cometh to the Father except the Spirit draws him. And again, it should not be a surprise to us at all that the Spirit of God is drawing people from all backgrounds and all walks of life to himself. Because what, get, what God cares about is every soul. And he wants to heal every hurting person. He wants to save every lost person. Amen. And I'm thankful that we just get to do our part in that. Amen. One more time before Brother Hart comes, can we just pray? Lord, I thank you for your presence that we feel here. God, I thank you for your anointing that you have placed on us, God, and on this, this message tonight, God, this gathering tonight. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have its way, God. I pray that your anointing would flow, Jesus. Let us hear and know your voice, Father. Let us know the things of your spirit, God. I believe, Lord, that you would grant the desires, God, of us to know you more, us to know your voice more, God, us to see your face in the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Now, I also wanted to say, because I didn't get to mention this to many of you, but uh, again, regarding last Tuesday, if you didn't know this yet, uh, that individual I mentioned, we, we got to speak to him, minister to him, and then, uh, lo and behold, when we finally finished, I took our family over just to grab a bite, and he was there in the restaurant so my wife and I got to talk to him about another hour's worth of time and continued just to uh, get to know him and let the Lord use us and uh, I'm thankful for that so uh, I believe the Lord's going to keep reaching him and others and uh, just be ready amen amen brother Hart Man, as always, it's good to be here with each of you and have the opportunity to 
dig into the Word of God together and to do so with, without fear, knowing that at the time and the place that we live, we have a religious freedom, and that's something not to be taken for, for granted. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I just had this verse come to my, come to my mind just a few minutes ago, and I want to start here. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I just want to talk for a few minutes tonight about our walk. Amen, just about our walk. And this chapter is probably my favorite chapter in all of Scripture. Uh, and I think this chapter is literally the, the blueprint and the, the, the perfect chapter and plan in Scripture for walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God. Uh, so many of the Scriptures we use in that, in that category or in that you know, topic are from this passage and the, the chapter starts talking about how there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So this whole chapter, it starts with that prerequisite of walking in the Spirit and not after the flesh. And everything else that follows is based on that truth and that prerequisite of walking in the Spirit and not the flesh. So then verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. And again, that goes back to verse 1. That applies to those who are in the Spirit and have the Spirit of God in them. I, I was talking to a friend earlier in this statement he made that he said his pastor has made to him before is that many people that we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, this life is the closest thing to heaven that they'll experience. And often for us as Christians with the Spirit of God, this life is the closest thing to hell that we'll experience. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that think earth is, is hell and that there's, there's just nothing after this life. But I've also, I also do believe at times that, that those who don't have the Lord, you know, we see people who have millions of dollars or people who just live life full of pleasure and we look as Christians who are, you know, denying ourselves and all these things, and we can look with some criticism and, and think, man, that sure isn't fair, but I, I think I read this in a book recently, kind of along the same lines of that quote, that for many people, this is the closest thing that they're going to get to heaven. So could it be just a little bit of the grace of God saying, well, since you're not going to choose me, at least you, sure, you know, Enjoy this life while you can because it's all you're going to get. And that's a sad thing to think about. But for those that are in Christ Jesus, all those things that we used to have pleasure in will pass away and we will, 
we will know that even though there's still going to be suffering, even though there's still going to be difficulty, none of it can compare to the glory that is to be revealed in us. You know, I just, I just finished a book that was the epitome of suffering. Uh, it was, it was a, an account, an autobiography account of, of a man who at 15 years old went through the concentration camps in World War II and with the, the Nazis. And, and so if any of you who know anything about that and those, those things know that it's not pretty, wasn't pleasant at all. And even for those people who had Christ, those sufferings still, I believe, are not worthy to be compared to the glory. And man, you read about some of those sufferings, and <laughs> I don't know how any human made it and endured some of the things that they went through. And I'm not going to spend any more time on that, because I will just immediately start, <laughs> start crying as I did through much of that book. It's just, a, like I said, to imagine that any human could endure the things that those, those Jewish people and people did is just amazing. But to know the, the will to survive is just something powerful. If you'll flip with me to James chapter 1, like I said, I want to just talk about our walk tonight. And we know anyone who's been around for any length of time knows that even, like I said, even if we live for the Lord and, and serve Him, there's still going to be some sufferings that we have to endure. Thankfully, I, don't, I think for most of us, it's not comparable to those in concentration camps. Um, but oftentimes, suffering is relative, and, and so... My suffering, though it may seem like nothing to you, is it's suffering to me. And so regardless of what the suffering looks like, we need the Lord to make it through. But James chapter 1 and verse 2 is a familiar passage here as well. And it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or different, multiple temptations. That doesn't mean like to be tempted you with someone holding a piece of chocolate in front of your nose when you're on a diet. It's more like a, like a trial, like a test, when you fall into different tests and things that, that are difficult. Count it all joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect or complete and entire, wanting nothing. Amen. I feel, I really feel the Holy Ghost tonight in this. And if, if it's not for anyone else, it's, it's for me and the Lord's just giving me the opportunity to, to hear it as well. But, you know, we, li we really do live in a, I believe we live in a hopeless generation, hopeless world. And as, as Christians, you know, there's things like hopelessness and depression and 
sorrow and these different type of emotions and things and feelings that a lot of times we can feel condemnation for, for feeling or for dealing with. But those things are also part of the journey, part of the process. I don't believe it's the will of the Lord for any of us to live there permanently, but I believe that he'll use them, like with this scripture, that he'll use them to work patience in us. He'll allow us to go through some things. And patience there, it means a steadfastness, a constancy, and an endurance. I just imagine, I just imagine a storm, and, and, and that passage too, if you continue to read there in James, he talks about a storm, and a man who's double-minded is unstable in all his ways, and he's like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, just, and in this endurance or this steadfastness, I just imagine, you know, a lighthouse in the middle of, of the sea, and my, my dad used to collect lighthouses and pictures and he used to have this picture that was three different photographs that a photographer took, and it was of this massive wave coming over this lighthouse that was on a rock right in the middle of what looked like an ocean. In the first picture, it was starting to come up it. The next picture, it was quite a ways up the lighthouse, and then the last picture, you couldn't even see the lighthouse anymore. It was just covered in the wave. But the lighthouse endured. <laughs> After the storm, I believe the lighthouse was still there, right? Because it had a, it was built on the right foundation. That's a different message for a different time, but it all connects is we're not going to have much endurance or much patience through the troubles and the difficulties that we have if our life is not built on the right foundation, if we're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And we'll see another scripture that, that talks about that later. I want to, speaking of just talking about a walk, I want to reflect back on a, a character that really connects also with Romans chapter 8. And uh, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 5, this is a man who's only mentioned just a handful of times in scripture, but you can tell he's a powerful individual who had a deep relationship with God. Genesis 5 and verse 18 will start. And this man, he was of the heritage or of the, of the lineage, lineage of, of Seth. And Seth was the third son of, of Adam and Eve who was born after Cain killed his brother Abel. And then Seth was born, and after Seth was born, the Bible says that then men began to call upon the Lord. And this man is just a few generations after that of the lineage and of the heritage of Seth. So we're kind of picking up there in, in this family tree, and it says Jared lived a hundred years, or a hundred six, sorry, I can't read, hundred sixty and two years, and begat. Enoch. And Jared lived after he begot Enoch 800 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. It's a long life. Verse 21 says, Enoch live, lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. 
in verse 22 says, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. This really stood out to me earlier today because, well, let me just, let me just finish reading these two verses. So verse 23 says, all the days of Enoch were 300, 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And what I, you know, often and probably for most of us who ever heard the story of Enoch, which that's pretty much it, <laughs> that's the story. He's, he's referenced in, in Hebrews as well, which kind of expounds on what him being not means, and that means he was translated, he was taken out of this world, and I believe he's a, a type and shadow of the church, and that the rapture of Enoch happened before the time of Noah, when Noah and his children were a sign and type of, of the Jews, and so he was, he was raptured, he was taken out, but what stood out to me today in reading this is that he didn't just walk with God and then was taken in his youth, in his teenage years, in his 20s, in his 30s, in his 40s, right? In his 50s, in his 60s, <laughs> in his 70s. I think that's the oldest we have here tonight, and I'm not going to look at anyone. <laughs> but it says that he walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. That's a lot of years in one little verse right there that the time, and, and we know Scripture says that our life is but a vapor. It's but as if you blow out a candle and the, the vapor, the smoke that just fades away. That's our life and the grand scheme and the eternity of things and Often I, I think of that and see that in Scripture when you see someone's life, and even before Jared, who was 962 years old, and pretty much his whole life is in two verses right there too. We see a couple of the kids he had, how long he lived, and that's it. It's like, man, how are we just going to pass over 900 and <laughs> something years of someone's life? But it's very, it's still significant to note that it wasn't just early on in the journey that Enoch was taken. It was, and it's, it's no doubt because he was human that he endured some things. Though it's not written of him and though it's not expounded on for our reading, he was human. He lived on this earth. So I, I think we can pretty much guarantee he endured some things. Sin had already entered the world, so he was born into sin just like everyone after and so his 300 years, he had to continually and daily make up his mind that, okay, today I'm going to choose and decide to walk with God. Okay, today again, I'm going to choose and decide to walk with God. I'm, okay, now I'm in my 80s, and I'm going to choose to continue to walk with God. And it wasn't until late into his 300s, <laughs> a length of life that none of us will probably experience, that he was taken by God. And if you look in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 5, it says that by faith, 
Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How did he please God? What, what attribute did he have that allowed him to be able to please God? Verse 6 tells us, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Which means you have to have faith to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I believe that's what Enoch was doing for those 300 years when he was walking with God. He was walking by faith. And he was diligently seeking God. And it, I, I just kind of imagine the Lord in heaven deciding, okay, you know, I've enjoyed this 300 years from the way that we can have this relationship, but I, I'm done with it being distant in the way that it has to be right now, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to take Enoch for myself. And that's his ultimate purpose for the church. We are created for him. We're his bride. And we're here in this life enduring some things that every spot, every wrinkle, every blemish and flaw that would show up in us would be, would be worked out. So that when that day comes and he says, okay, I've had enough. I've got to bring him to myself again. We'll be blameless and we'll be before him as, as Enoch with the testimony that we please God. I just want to read two more, two more passages here. Go, go back with me to Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 5. Chapter 5, we'll start with verse 1. Still speaking about faith here. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And the hope that we have is knowing that we will be glorified with Him. That's the hope we have. Even through all the things that we have to endure, we have a hope because we know that we're not living for this temporary life and the things that we can gain here, but we're living for an eternal. And verse 3 says, Not only so, but we glory in tribulations seems kind of odd. <laughs> what do you mean, Paul? You glory in tribulations. And there's other passages we could look at where Paul talks about some of the tribulations that he endured. Of We all have probably heard him shipwreck and, and beatings, and he was stoned, he was whipped. But he gloried in those tribulations, knowing that the tribulation, watch this progression here, knowing that the tribulation worketh patience. Just like John said, the trying of our faith works patience. 
But it doesn't stop there. Verse 4 says, And patience, it, it could be inferred here because of how it starts in verse 3, that patience works experience. And experience works hope. Experience hope. And that's that word there. I won't take the time to go super into it, but that word experience there, it, it literally means to be acceptable. So it's it's the the experience is the is the things that we go through to gain the acceptableness of God. Because we've went through the tribulations and because we've endured with patience, now we have the experience. And I, I, I was thinking of this the other day in, in a secular sense on my job, and I, I say a secular sense, but it's, it's still a, a spiritual principle. But I, something I've been noticing on my job is, is this, I, I've kind of termed it myself a, a labor crisis. Uh, and it's, it's because we're, we're constantly having this, this battle of, of trying to find people that are willing to work, right? People who will show up on time and, and actually want to work instead of just being, you know, people of the system. <laughs> I'll just be kind about that anyway. Um, and what I felt like the, the Lord kind of brought me to was this passage and said that they don't want to endure anything. They don't want to go through any of the trying or the tribulation that gets them the experience to get to the point where, okay, now they have the hope and now they've earned the things that they're living for. And that's just a secular sense. How much more so us spiritually, and we've, we really do live in a day and age that has become just, especially America, I'm, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but especially America that's just become so soft. <laughs> including me, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not talking just to you, but we've become so soft and that we just, we want it, we want everything the easy way. I mean, I know I do. I, there's almost nothing I do anymore where I want to learn how to do something that I don't go straight to YouTube, <laughs> look for the video with the most views, but this also the shortest, <laughs> because I want the quick way, the easiest way to get the experience well, really what I want to do is skip the experience process and just go on to being qualified and say, okay, God, you know, now use me. Okay, I'm going to get into, I'm going to get into this, this word real quick. That, that word there, experience, like I said, it's, it's the approvedness of God what's pretty cool is you look at that word in the Greek and I think it means like, I, I think it translates or transliterates as do, dokimos, some, something like that. And in, in the ancient times they would have, um, they had money, they had coins just like we do. And oftentimes they, uh, they would have people who would shave that money down to be lesser than the weight that it was supposed to be. So you would bring this weight and say, this is one shekel, which it wasn't just that that had the value by 
what it said on it. It was also had that value because of its weight. So it, it had a weight value. But what people started to do is shave these coins because they were a soft metal. And so they would shave these coins down and, and collect all these shavings to then make their own money. Well, there was these individuals or money changers or people who would take payment. They were called dokimos, and I think I'm remembering that right. And they were called that because they would not accept this money that was of lesser weight than it should be. And this is the word that the apostle here uses for approvedness or for experience. It's those that are, that are willing to endure some things and be of the proper weight that, that says, okay, now I can be exchanged for, for the thing that I'm supposed to be exchanged for, which at the end of this life is for glory. And for that experience, then we have, have hope. Verse 5 says, Hope maketh not ashamed because, of, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Again, like I said, where, where I started in Romans chapter 8, it's all prerequisite to having the Holy Ghost, having the Spirit of God living in us. I just want to read one, one other verse here in Romans, if jump over to chapter 15 and verse 4. Another verse here that talks about patience and endurance. As I mentioned earlier, I was talking to, to a friend and just kind of expressing some things to him. And without even really thinking about it, I just, we were talking about some things, some scriptural things, and I made the statement to him of, of how I, I can't imagine how many times that, times that I'm sure are innumerable, that the scripture and that the word of God has kept me. Because of keeping me in the way that I think, or keeping me because of giving me a hope, or giving me a confidence that, okay, I can make it another day because cause the word says this. I can continue in this journey because the word gives me this confidence and this hope and I made the statement to him I, I can't imagine how many times that's that's happened that that's the case and then this this scripture came across uh, my mind Romans 15 verse 4 says for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning it's from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel, to Enoch, to all the way to Revelation, all those things were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Amen. It matters what we're built on and it matters what our foundation is on if we expect to go through this life and have an endurance and to have a hope. And I really believe that this generation is, is hopeless, not only because it's not willing to endure tribulations, but also because it doesn't have a foundation of Scripture that we are privileged to have. 
You know, being Christians and being part of the church is so much more than just coming here on a weekly basis, but it's deciding for ourselves, like Enoch, that I'm going to, day after day after day, for 300 years, I'm going to choose myself to walk with God, to have the testimony that I'm pleasing to God because I'm walking with Him and I'm enduring some things, though they may be difficult, I'm going to be strengthened and comforted by the scripture by the things that have happened before time that were for my example and for my teaching amen elder thank you brother hart I like that phrase, comfort of the scriptures. This, the world that we live in and the, the day and age that we live in wants to um, cause you to question everything and I'm not saying that that in itself is a bad thing to question, but it, bec it can become a dangerous thing when you question so much to the point of assuming that there is no longer a right answer and just deciding, well, they've got their explanation and They've got their explanation, and I've got my own, and we'll all just agree to disagree. That's a dangerous um, slope to be on, because it is what this um, age would like to promote and say that, I don't remember where I heard this phrase the first time, but it's the idea that says there are no absolutes. So if there's no absolutes and everything is just open for translation, everything is open for discovery, everything, you know, can waver depending on how you feel, what you believe, what you think. The scripture is my comfort. It's the thing that I lean on and look to in every season, every, every circumstance uh, of my life. The beautiful thing is, I can promise you, you can live at least 37 years and not know everything that's in the scripture and have it continued to taught, be taught to you. I really think you can probably go twice that easily, which would be 74 years, and still not know everything that's recorded from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21, 21, 22, whatever's the last verse of Revelation. See, I don't even know off the top of my head. <laughs> but I, but the, the, my point is, if you believe 
that the word of God is true and that it is forever settled, then it is your absolute truth. It is the thing that you build your life on. It is the thing that you get your beliefs from. And it becomes the thing, your barometer. It's the thing that you measure everything else by. I wish I knew more about barometers. But I can tell you they measure pressure. You put me in a pressure situation and the only thing that I can actually use is my gauge, my, my barometer to say, is this too much pressure or is this, are we still okay? Have I gone too far or am I still okay? You don't know that without a gauge. Oh man, we drove back from... Uh, from the west side yesterday and whew, thank the Lord we made it to that gas station because I was looking at that gauge and I was looking at the miles on the on the map of how many we had to go and and then we passed this sign the next gas station is 54 miles away I didn't have a calculator, but I was trying to do math in my head. And I thought, we're going to be pushing it. Especially because some of that's a climb. And you, all these other factors, there might be traffic, you don't know. <laughs> but if I didn't have a gas gauge, and I just thought, well, we'll see. Hopefully can't remember how much I put in last time or exactly how far we've gone, but we'll just find out. Well, that's why I have a gauge to tell me whether I can make it or not. The Word of God is my gauge, and it can be, if you let it, it can be your gauge for every situation that you find yourself in. Everything. Judge it by the word. Look for it in the word. Find the truth. Find the understanding in the word. Now there's this, this idea of looking in scripture and finding and learning. You know, that's only one half of knowledge. Because I promise you, you can study, pick a field of study, anything, carpentry you can study uh, you can look you can watch every YouTube video there is about how to build that thing you want to build and you can watch them start to finish but I promise you you don't fully know that you know until you've done it and then you're not looking at the videos anymore you're looking at the thing that you actually completed and say I know how to do this because I did this I told somebody the other day, I, I find the most difficult way to do anything. I don't know why it is. I just this, I, Some people will say they're all thumbs. I guess that's kind of me when it comes to trying to do manual labor. 
I can get stuff done, but I promise you it's going to take me longer than the average person to get it done. <laughs> but I don't know that I know how to do it until I actually do it. I could have Brother Dean come over and help me with a project, and by help I mean let him do the project. And then, all right, we did it. We did what? Well, you did it, and I watched. Do you know how to do it now? Well, I know how you do it. Now, I'm going back to this other verse that Brother Hart read about the, the term experience. Because experience is the other side, the other half of knowledge. You don't know until you have done. It's, a, it's experiential knowledge. Or as the other scriptures called it, trying or trials. 1 Peter 1.7, it says, The trial of your faith is more precious than gold. Now think about it for a second. It does not say that your faith is more precious than gold. Well, my faith is awesome. Yeah, great. But it becomes that much more valuable when it is tried when it goes through a trial. And this is, I believe, why Paul could say, I'm going to glory in my weakness, in my infirmity, in my trials, in my tribulations, because I know that I can say that I have faith all day long, but until my faith is put to the test, I really don't know how much faith I have or exactly what it's good for. But when it gets tried... Thank you, Lord. You know, to glory in, 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 in one aspect means to brag about. And he said, I will brag about tribulations. I will glory in my tribulations. I will brag about not the fact that I've gone through something difficult. Hear me, that's a, that's a, a little bit of a misconception if you think, well, I'll just... I get to tell everybody how hard my life has been, and through that, they get to know how good Jesus is. Well, pause for a second, because just bragging about how you have a hard time is not the same thing as bragging about how good God is. You understand the difference? There's a lot of people that could come in off the streets right now and tell you about how hard of a time they've had in life. And I'm not going to end that conversation feeling necessarily edified just because they've had tribulations, just because they've had troubles and struggles and trials and, well, I lost everything at this time and God took that away from me and I made a wrong decision here. All you're doing, brother, is bringing me down with that side of your story. But Paul said, my tribulation is the thing that I'm going to glory in or brag about because I know it's bringing me closer to Jesus. It's making me more like Him. And when that happens in my life, and He is allowed to bring those things in my life, I can brag about that and say, I went through this. I'm not proud to tell you how badly I messed up, but I am proud of the fact that God took my mess and used it for His glory.
Thank the Lord for that. And what does that do? That works experience in me. It proves to me. I've learned two things here. First of all, I'm a mess. I can find ways to mess things up. I've proven that. But it also proves to me that God works in spite of my mess. And thank the Lord for that. It's a boring life to be afraid to mess up. I'll just be honest with you. If you live all your life without risk, without trial, without stepping out in faith because you're worried about what's going to happen, you're not giving God room to operate in your life and you're not giving room for experience. And I promise you the, the message that he read there was experience works patience and patience works hope and if you don't have any hope could it be because you don't have any experience the Lord's never done anything for me but I know he's going to see me through wait wait a second he's never done anything for you but you know he's going to see you through how do you know well I just I, I think he might I, I, I'm hoping that he does that's not hope. It's not hope to say, well, I just, I hope at the end of my life things are good. No, 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 no. To know at the end of your life that there is something better for you, that is the thing that you hope for. Hope maketh not ashamed. You're not going to be worried that um, maybe it will, maybe it won't. It could be right, it could be wrong. Maybe the Lord's going to be there for me. Maybe he's not. We'll just see. Uh, I remember when I very first moved to Yakima. I think this was 2009-ish. I had a job interview that I had lined up moving from Puyallup to come to Yakima, uh, even a second interview, I think it was. Things were looking pretty uh, secure in the fact that we were going to be moving here, and now it's just on the Lord to open up the job and the timing and all of that. So I go and I have my interview. I'm here in town. I'm thinking I'm going to make the most of while I'm here. I'll just get to know the area a little bit. And uh, I had a few extra resumes that I brought with me from my interview, because, you know, you want to be prepared and have a copy for him and a copy for him and her, and you don't know who all... So just printed some extras. Well, I did the interview. Things went great. I'm fully expecting to get that job. And as I am driving just down Washington Avenue past the airport, there was a business. It's not there anymore. But I saw it, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to stop right here. I pulled over into the, their parking lot. I looked at the resumes and I thought, I'm just going to go give this to somebody in there. I just, I know that the Lord wants me in Yakima and he, if he wants me to have a job here, uh, he'll help me 
and he'll do his part and I'll do my part. Well, I'll, here's part of my part. I'm just going to walk in here and, and give them this resume. That probably doesn't sound like a lot to you. But to me, especially, oh, wow, what was that, 25-year-old, 24-year-old me, uh, who had not a lot of confidence, who had not a lot of experience, who had, honestly, I don't even know how much faith I had other than however much a 23, 24-year-old is allowed to have through the life they've lived up to that point. But I just go in and I'd say, hey, I'm looking to move to Yakima and I need a job and here's my resume and I was wondering if you're hiring. I don't even know the person that I gave that to, like what their position was. It could have been the janitor for all I know. But I just said, hey, if anybody's hiring and you need anything, you know, I've done a lot in my 23, 24 years. And so I can, I'm open to whatever you might have. And he looks at it and he looks at me and he says, it's pretty cool that you came in here and just gave me this. I said, yeah, good. I think it was too. And then I left. I never heard from them again. But I left that day with an experience that I had never had up to that point. And I learned a little bit through that experience that it's not as terrifying as it might seem, especially to a young man, to go and say, Lord, if you want me to try this, I'll try it. And then whatever happens from there, that's your business, God. I can't make this company hire me just like I can't make that one I just interviewed hire. I can't do... That's all between you, God, and whoever you're working through as a part of my life. But I come away with experience, and I come away with knowledge from having done the thing. I'm giving you a little bit of a spoiler alert at the same time. If you hadn't heard Bishop uh, Sharp's message from Sunday. He talked about fear and he talked about the only way to get over your fear is to face it and do it. I, if you would have told me, hey, you're going to go into a business you've never been to, you don't even know if they're hiring, you don't even know if there's any openings, you don't even know if they're open today, but you're going to go and you're going to give your resume to them, I would have said, oh, no, I don't really want to do that doesn't sound like how I operate. That's not my comfort zone. But it's probably the, the, the way God worked it was he didn't even give me time to think about it. It's just like, hey, there's the business. Pull over, stop right here, and go in. Okay, I can operate that way a little bit easier than if I had known before I left town the day before. By the way, you're gonna, I would have been dreading that so much. But what I'm talking about here is how you get experience is by trial. It's a part of your walk with God. Trial. You can't be afraid to fail. You can't be afraid that God's going to embarrass you. He's not going to embarrass you any more than is necessary. 
I could tell you some stories of necessary at different times in my life when God showed me the necessary. But how did I got, how did I get there? Through trial. And I learned through that experience a lesson I would not have learned otherwise. Do you believe God is good? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he wants to work through your life? He wants to accomplish things for his glory through you. If you believe that, then it shouldn't be the scariest thing in the world to think about putting that to the test. The worst that could happen is you live another day to walk with God another day. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that me as your elder, I'm going to come to you and say, Oh, Brother Vance, you did the wrong thing. You, you said the wrong thing to that person. Well, is that, if that's what you're afraid of, I'll just use Brother Vance as an example, and that wasn't too bad, was it? <laughs> or what are you afraid of? You're going to be told, don't ever open your mouth again. I promise you that's not going to happen. Are you afraid that you're never going to be allowed into a business establishment again? That's probably not going to happen. If it does, you don't have any business being there in the first place. Are you worried that people are going to make fun of you? Well, I can't promise you that that's not going to happen. But I will remind you, last, whenever it was, we talked about blessed are you when you are reviled of men. You get there through experience, and you get experience by trial. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you for the ministry, Lord, that you are giving to us. I thank you for these ways that you are growing us. Lord, I believe in the leading of your spirit. I believe, God, that you would put your words inside of us, God, and give us the wisdom and the timing to know and the boldness to know when to speak and how to speak, God, how to be led by you and your spirit. God, I want this kind of walk with you. I desire this kind of walk, this kind of closeness with you, Jesus, in my life. God, I want it to be the thing that marks my relationship with you, that I would know, God, that I am doing that which is pleasing to you, that I am doing that which I am called by you to do, Lord. My time on this earth, Lord, is limited. My time here to accomplish the things, God, that you've put me here for is limited, God, and only you know the day and the time of which that will be ended. God, I pray that while I am here, Jesus, I will work the works of Him who sent me. I pray that while I am here, God, I will speak the words of the Father and only do the things which I've seen from the Father. Lord, just as You did as a man here on this earth, 
God, that was your mission. That was your daily routine to work the, one, the work of Him who sent you. To do the will of the Father as you were placed in this earth to do. God, let that be our mission. God, let that be our calling. Let it be the thing that we pursue, Jesus, to speak Your Word, to share Your Word, God, to be instant in season and out of season. In the name of Jesus, use us, I pray, God. Why don't you commit yourself to the Lord here just a moment before we leave. God, I commit myself to you. I commit my works to you, God, my time to you, my efforts and energy, Lord, that I have to spend here. God, I commit it to you. I want it to be that which is pleasing to you, Father. In the name of Jesus, work through me, God. Work through me, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I know the Scripture says the night cometh when no man can work. God, I want to work while it is day. I want to work while I have the ability to work. I want to work while I have this opportunity to work, Jesus. To be about Your business, O oh God. To be about the calling, Lord, that You've placed in us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, make this your prayer to the Lord for just a moment. God, wherever You've placed me, wherever You will lead me, Father, at my place of work, God, in my home, Lord Jesus, with those that I interact with, God, everywhere that I am, I believe, Lord, it's where You've placed me and You desire to work in me and through me. God, You have a will that You want to accomplish, and I get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of Your will, Jesus. Let it be done in my life, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm encouraging you to open your mouth and speak. Don't be afraid. Amen. Don't be afraid to say the wrong thing. Don't be afraid to say it at the wrong time. Let the Lord give us experience. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.